0: Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, and I had the page number and I forgot. I think it's 275. I don't know if I'm right there. Is that right? 275 in those soft Bibles there? 275. 1 Kings 17. Is that right? 275? Anybody? Yes, all right. 275. I'm already ahead of myself because I got that number right. So we're going to continue our series this week called uh, "God of Miracles." And as you as you turn there and tell you a little story, my mom's here; she can verify it. When when we were when I was growing up, my parents were pastors at a church up in uh, North Jersey, up in Bergen County, and uh, we did these things called faith promises. Now, if you don't know what a faith promise is, it's uh, essentially um, you would make a pledge for the year. Of what you personally wanted to give to or to missions. So like we give, you know, tithing, which is that's sort of like a ten percent thing. Again, if you don't if you're new to life tree we're not hung up on money, really not. It's just it's it's not a have to, it's a get to. It's for your good. God tells you to do it, he says to test him. Listen, it's between you and him. I don't see what you give. It's up to you. But I'm telling you, you're not gonna lose if you give. Okay, this is not gonna be a message about that today. But so but so tithing is sort of like a for me it's a non-negotiable. God said it, why wouldn't I want to do it? He wants to provide. I'll let him do it. So, tithing, but offerings are kind of above and beyond that. Like how much money? Listen, God just wants you to be open with his money. He can give you as enough so that you can give it away. That's how he that's how he works. So, we do this missions pledge every year. And we haven't really done anything like that here at LifeTree so much. Maybe once we did that, but so I was like a kid. I don't know how old was I? Like 5, 6. That's 6, 7. Eight or ten, I was close. Eight or ten, um, and I don't know. If it was, was I that old? Yeah, it was all right because I'm, I, I went big with my pledge. I pledged like I was like I want to do this. I want to. So I it was a quarter. It was a quarter, a, a, a quarter of a month, a quarter of a month. I mean, I mean, seriously, I shot for the moon. I was like, I'm gonna go big, go big or go home. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pledge a quarter a month uh, that I'm gonna give the missions, right? So that's so. That was my pledge, and uh, that sometime that week or something—I can't remember exactly when—I was only eight or ten or five. Um, I was—I remember what I was doing though. This is important. I was playing kickball with my dad in the backyard. We were playing kickball, and I think he kicked it into like our garden, and our garden looked like these gardens um, it had some weeds in there and stuff. So I went—I was trying to find the ball, and I went and found the kickball. When I picked it up out of the garden, no joke, there was a quarter on the ground. And I was like, God provided. (laughs) God absolutely provided. Right. Like wasn't And I came and told my parents, God provided. And I took that quarter and I put it in. It was my listen to this day. I believe it was God. God put the quarter there for me. Right. That's how that's how and that's how it began. God had miraculously provided for me. Um, And that's my story of provision. Um, Today, we're going to talk about this. And I'm, I'm sure you could if I asked, you could all tell me stories of how God's provided for you in your life. You know, and and there's provision and what he's done, what he's done for you. Um, the, you know, provision looks like lots of different things. It's not just money, right? Like God provides wisdom, He provides understanding, He provides favor, He provides, you know, all sorts of things. You don't just need money. You need, you just need thing. You need whatever you, you're going to need for that moment. God provides. Um, the problem with the provision of God, here's the problem with the provision of God. We use it up, and then we need more. right like god provided then there was my quarter and now i have no quarter again right so i need i need so i need him to keep providing right it never ends and how many know life costs like it was ironic i didn't really we did not coordinate this with the financial peace thing that's been in the program for a few weeks but i mean life costs right gas. how much you spend in gas right just driving your car, cell phones. Anybody happy about your cell phone bill? You love your cell phone bill, all right? How about cable? You happy about cable, satellite, whatever you pay for, right? We got all these different things, and then food. Anybody now? Anybody have children? Goodness, you eat a lot. That whole thing, I'm, I'm surprised that balcony can hold you. Like, we got I don't know 20-something kids up there. Like it just the food. Like I go to we go to BJ's or Costco and. And it's gone. Like, where did all that milk go? That's a lot of cereal. That's a whole lot of peanut butter. We go through peanut butter, like, man, it's like, quick. No, it's good peanut butter, but still, you keep, you, you mean, you name it, insurance money. Where does that go down the drain? You know, like, just keep on going. You know, it's just, it's amazing. Life costs, and God provides, and then we use it, and we need more. And then God provides, and then we use it, and we need more. And we know what today's going to cost, and we have a pretty good idea of what tomorrow's going to cost, but there are lots of things that we don't know. There are unknowns, right? Um, like the day after that, and what about the incidentals or the emergency fund, and what about the things that could go wrong, but you don't hope that they will, but they might, right? And so you try and build up reserve and extra just-in-case just in money, right? And then you, you know about all those things that, things that you want, But you don't, you know, you don't need, but you want. And you know about he money and she money, right? She money. It's money that she don't know about that I got, right? I got she money, right? You got like a little fund just just for you, just in case. You want a little something that she don't, right? I got some she money. Um, Here's the thing. No matter how much money you have, we could always have a little bit more. No matter how much you have, you could always, you want to give me some more, I'll take it. Like, I'll take a little bit more just, just in case, right? Just in case. So here's the question of the day for you. How much money would you need to be so content that you stopped thinking about it? What'd you say? Ten dollars? No, yeah, ten dollars. Oh, to be that age again. Ten dollars. I got solve your problems with ten bucks. That's awesome. But is there a number for for you? I mean, think about that. Is there a, what's the number that if you had that much money, you would never think about it again? Is there a number that you can get to that you'd be like, never think about it again? Like, like is is, is it a million? Is that enough? And you go, uh, and some of your financial minds are going, well, based on how old I am to retirement, probably not. No, I'd need a little more than that. Based on how I want to retire and the things I want to do, like, blah, 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 blah. You know, so, yeah. How, so, what's the number? Is there a number? And I'm not sure if there is. I'm not sure if there is a number that you have because I know people who have lots of money who are just still not content. Right? Like, who have that number and they still need more because what if? I and mean, what if? And things, you know, get volatile. And what if, what if the market crashes and all my money's in this? And what if that goes away and then it's not guaranteed? So, yeah, I could always take more. There's only one person who is content, um, and his name is God. And it says this in Psalm 50. God says, I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. I don't need your dollars. I don't need your cents. I don't need your tithes. I don't need your offerings. That's not what he needs. He doesn't need money from you. God doesn't ask you to give because he needs it. God doesn't need your money because he continues all the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And he continues, I, "I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. I have enough. I don't need yours." God says, "I have everything. I'm content. I have enough, because I have it all." Wouldn't it? seriously? Isn't that awesome? God has it all. Like, wouldn't you like to be God? You get it all. Like, I own it all. Just everything's mine. Like, don't tell me if I need something. It's just mine. All of it, mine. It's just mine. I have it all. See, we love it when God miraculously provides for us out of his reserves. Right? He does. And he, sh- and he pours out stuff and you're like, oh man, I, I'm telling you, I didn't. this just money showed up or this provision showed up or that what I needed showed up out of his abundance and his wealth God gave. And we want him to keep giving. And if he would just give us enough not to worry about anything ever again, think of all the good I could do with that. If God would just give me enough not to worry about it, then I could do more. Anybody following that line of thinking, right? So here's the question. Why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't God just give us enough that we don't have to worry about it anymore? Like, like up front. Like, front load my deal. Like, give me the contract where I get it all in the front. You know, I win the lottery. What do you want? You want one lump sum or do you want a little bit over time? You know, everybody wants one lump sum. They want it up front. They want it in the bank. They want, right? We want it right there. No matter how much God provides, the reality of needing more tomorrow never goes away because we keep using it. It's especially true for a guy named Elijah. We're going to look at his story this morning. And he had significant needs. Significant needs. And actually, his needs were all God's fault. (laughs) We're going to find that out. So, the children of God, now remember the Israel, nation of Israel, give you some backstory here, nation, got nation of Israel, coming out of Egypt, right, Moses leads them out of Egypt and this whole story, they're in the promised land, there's a series of kings now, they've, they've kind of come through the desert, they're, they've got a series of kings, and uh, each, basically as the kings led, so goes the nation. So if it's a good king, everything is good, if it's a bad king, everything is bad. And that's kind of the way it goes, and there's a seesaw fact and kind of goes throughout history, and we come up to this king called Ahab. And Ahab was a king in Israel who was, um, oh, he was not good. Actually, he was terrible. He was a horrible king. It says this about Ahab. This is what was written on his tombstone. Ready? You want this? He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. How do you? Good job, man. You did more to provoke God. If you want to provoke anybody, you want to poke the bear, you want to poke. You don't want to poke God. And this guy did more to provoke the anger of God than any other king before him. He's wicked. He's the king that married Jezebel. If you've ever heard the phrase of Jezebel, this woman set the standard because she was Jezebel. I mean, she was evil and wicked and he's Ahab, this bad king, is married to her. They were the dynamic duo telling you this was an awful, awful couple. Um so without any backstory now, you've got Elijah just shows up. Like you read 1 Kings 1 through 16, nothing. Then all of a sudden the verse set, in chapter 17, all of a sudden we just hear about Elijah. We don't hear about him being born or anything. Just, there's Elijah. There he goes. Just shows up in this story. And he's a prophet, which means that he speaks for God. That's what a prophet is. A prophet is just somebody who speaks for God. So if God says, I want to speak to my people, I'm going to speak through somebody, that's a prophet. It doesn't mean that they come up with this stuff. It means that God inspires them to speak. And it says Elijah was a prophet. So we're going to pick it up, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. This is what we read. It says, now Elijah, who is from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, remember, evil, horrible king, bad king in Israel, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So without any backstory, all we hear is Elijah, this prophet, shows up to the evilest king in the world and just says, hey, it ain't going to rain until I say so. Whoa, that's an opener. You know, how's that for an introduction? (laughs) So all of this basically puts a bullseye on Elijah. Would you like to walk into the most evil king in the world and say, listen, I'm just telling you what God told me to tell you. And uh, it ain't going to rain until I say so. That's what God said. What kind of power? That's awesome. So basically, Elijah lights dynamite and walks out of the room. <laughs> and then the Lord says to Elijah, chapter, verse 2, which is great, um, verse 3, Go to the east and hide by the Kerith Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. You know you're in trouble when God tells you to hide. God's like, hey, you better get out of here. You better go hide, because like, trouble's coming. He's like, you just lit some dynamite. And he's a bad man. I know him. I made him, and he's bad. Right? So... Then the story gets really strange. This, this this is such an I'm telling you the Bible is full of so many great things. It says this verse four drink from the brook, God says, and eat what the ravens bring you. These are birds. Yeah, go ravens. Robinsville ravens, if you don't know. For I have commanded them to bring you food, God says. He says, Go camp out, and some birds are gonna bring you food. Don't eat the birds, they're not the food. They're gonna bring you food, right? The birds are just the waiters. Right, you just go, and birds are going to fly in and give you food and drink from the stream there. There's been a, you follow this story. I mean, that's a lot happening in just like a few four verses there. And here's the question: Why does Elijah need food brought by birds? Like what? Do you know why he needs food brought by birds? Because God made him go to the king who is the most evil guy and tell him that it's not going to rain until I say so. So God made him do that, which put him in a position of, of trouble. Do you understand that? His obedience to God got him in trouble here on earth. Right. So here's the reality, right? His obedience created a need in his own life. I'm being obedient to God and now it's caused a need in my life. I'm doing what you want me to do. Here's the thing. Sometimes your obedience to God may create a need. Sometimes when you're obedient to God, you say, God, I'm doing what you want me to do and you're making trouble for me. And he goes, yes, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, I would hide if I were you. (laughs) I would actually get out of here like it's going to be bad. I'm now a fugitive hiding in a ravine. All the king's army is looking for him to kill me. The longer it it goes without rain, because I'm not saying so because you didn't let me say so yet, the angrier they're getting. Thanks for this, God. Really appreciate it. This has been great. This relationship. I love being obedient to you. I'm I'm in a desert depending on birds to feed me. Birds. Think about this. It says birds. Being obedient to God doesn't guarantee your life's going to get easier. Let's just eyes wide open here. Let's tell the truth. God doesn't say come and life's going to be perfect and roses and everything's going to be hunky-dory. He says, hey, you might have to hide. But don't lose heart because the story's not over yet. The story's not over yet. That's only four verses. So verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. And he camped beside Kerith Brook, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he drank from the brook. I'm just, where do birds get bread and meat? Like, was there a dumpster somewhere in Israel behind a restaurant that had extra food? Like, like, where do you get bread and meat as birds? Like, would you call that miraculous provision? Like, I call that miraculous. Like, seriously? Raven's like, R-r-r-r-r-r. you know, I mean, like, take that, Hitchcock. Like, this is, this is amazing. God provides in a way that only he can. And here's why Elijah couldn't go searching for food, right? Why? Because if anybody sees his face, you're the guy that says no rain. Not only does the king not like him, no the people like him. Because they're, they're in a drought too. It's killing their crops. It's killing everything. Like, it just makes life tense. This is not good. Elijah is not a popular guy. So God brings food to him. All right? Now, seven key words here are this Elijah did as the Lord told him obedience. He did as the Lord told him. Pay attention to Elijah's obedience. He obeys, God provides. Now, inevitably, right, in time, what's going to happen when you declare a drought? What's going to happen? Okay, remember where Elijah is. Where is he beside? A brook. What did he say? No rain. What happens to brooks when there's no rain? Here we go. Verse 7. After a while, the brook dried up. There you go, God. Thank you for this. Even better now. Couldn't get any lower. (laughs) And now I have no water. It says, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the lands. There are times we wonder, God, did I hear you right? I did what I thought you asked. Now I'm starving. Now there's no more water. We Bird's going to start bringing me cups. right? Burr's going to bring me a cup. Everybody hates me. What have I done? It's very easy to second-guess our ability to discern God's voice. There are times when you're obedient and you encounter opposition, you encounter resistance, you encounter trouble, and you go, did I hear God right? Because I thought he told me to come here and hide here, but now there's no water even. It's running out. It's easy to second-guess our ability to discern God, especially when it leads to challenges. What kind of God leads us to places of even greater need? Elijah is in a world, everything has just gone downhill since he was obedient to God. He was just a guy. Then he confronts an evil king, makes an enemy with somebody you don't want to be an enemy with. Then he's unhiding, depending on birds to feed him. By Now the brook is dried up. This has been a, could you wonder if Elijah goes, God, did I hear you right? God, did, did I miss something? I thought made, God made life easier. How do you know if it's really God speaking? How do you know that? Unfortunately, I'm not going to answer that one today because there's no formula for that. But here's what I do want to say. Do not evaluate your ability to hear by what is presently going on around you. Do not evaluate your ability to hear God based on what you are experiencing around you. Because if your obedience makes life harder, remember, God's not done yet. It's not the end of the story yet. Your obedience may lead you to harder places, but it's not over yet. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, because there's no water now, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. This is outside of Israel. So now he's going outside the country, leaving the borders, going outside. This is this is God's holy land. He's saying go outside to the Gentile land. In Luke, we read this. Jesus says this. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. This is Jesus. He says, And when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine devastated the land, all because of Elijah, because God being obedient, says this, Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. There are many widows in Israel, but God didn't send them to those. He sent them outside the land to somebody who was a foreigner. What could be more unlikely than birds feeding you? How about a widow from a foreign land who doesn't even believe in your God who's experiencing the drought that you just caused? The last three and a half years that devastated the land. So at this point, would you blame Elijah for questioning God? And "Like God, what are you doing? I'm trying to be obedient, but you're just making a mess of my life. Yet again, verse 10, he obeys. It says, so he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? I'm sure, he was like, I'm getting a cup. It's the first time in years I've had a cup. I've been drinking out of a brook. I get a cup. This is so great. And as she was going to get it, he called her, oh, and bring me a bite of bread too. Right? This is going to be great. This widow is going to provide for me. Remember, this is a Gentile, non-Jewish woman. She knows that Elijah from Israel. She can tell probably by the, his, the way he spoke. She uses an oath to emphasize she's not lying here as she responds. and She says, I swear by the Lord, your God, not mine, but yours, because I know who you are, I know where you come from, I know who your God is. I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. In case you don't know, we're in a drought and everything is miserable. You know, I don't know if she knows it's because of him, but everything's miserable. She says, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Oh Elijah, you got to feel good about yourself. You got to feel you are you are killing your own country, you are killing neighboring countries, you're killing everybody. This lady who's a widow is about to die. It's a dire situation. Literally her last meal, she is days away from death. Elijah asks him for food and she wants him to know, listen, I'm not lying to you. I got nothing left. Verse 13. So Elijah says to her, "Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've just said, but make a little bread for me first. Do you hear what he just said? Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Put yourself in her shoes. You for real, bro? I just told you I'm about to make a meal and die. And you said, make some for me first. You're kidding me. Did you not hear what I just said? I'm going to die. And you're asking for my last meal. And Elijah, but Elijah continues. He continues. And this is incredible. Incredible. For this is what the Lord, my God, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Elijah makes her the promise of all promises. I mean, it's a huge promise, right? He's, he's putting himself out there. He says this, if you do what I ask, my God will miraculously provide for you. A God you don't even acknowledge. Think about that. He's saying, a oh, God, you don't, even, you don't even believe in is going to provide for you. Now, if you were this woman facing death down to your last meal with you and your son, and this guy's asking for you and he's promising you that if you do it, you'll, you'll have stuff that will sustain you until the water comes back. What would you do? Would you take that chance? I mean, you're going to die anyway, right? You're going to have one meal and die. Or would you take the chance? an enticing promise it's a life-altering promise containers that never empty that's miraculous provision for sure verse 15 so she did as elijah said pay attention again obedience and she and elijah and her family continued to eat for many days miracle unbelievable i'm down to my last meal for me and my son but now Three of them are eating for days and days and days. Verse 16, I love this. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. There was always enough. God provided for them. He came through. Obedience, He provides. So here's a few questions. How did this all start? How would they get here? Remember, Elijah's obedience led to his need. His need led to God's provision in the wilderness, right? His obedience previously about saying about the drought caused a greater need in his life eventually. So, I mean, he just doubled down. His need led him to obey God to go to Zarephath. Had Elijah not needed food, follow. Had God continued to provide for Elijah in the wilderness, does Elijah ever go to Zarephath? If Elijah doesn't go to Zarephath, what happens to that woman? Had he not come, what would have been her fate? See, Here's the thing. His need became an answer to her need. God miraculously provided for the woman because of Elijah's need. Do you see that? Do you follow? Elijah's need saved her life and her son's life. And here's the thing. God may use your need to bring you to people who have their own needs. And when you go to them, God can meet their needs too. Because you bring God to people who don't even believe in Him. And I got a need. God is a God who wants to miraculously provide for you and for those who don't even know Him. Your need may actually be an opportunity for God to display His love to people. Think about this. See, we feel ashamed of our needs. We're embarrassed by our needs. We hesitate to ask for help. We think needs are a sign of weakness. That I should be able to provide for myself. I shouldn't have to need anything from anybody. Was Elijah's need a sign of weakness? No, it was a result of obedience. His obedience to God led him there. It wasn't weakness, it was strength. It took courage to stand up to a king. It took courage to say, hey, there's going to be no rain until I say so. To jeopardize his life. To go out of his camp. Sometimes your obedience will make life harder for you and will create needs for you. But it's not just about you. Your obedience may create needs that lead you to other people who also have needs. And when you show up there, God shows up and provides in ways only He can. So what? Your obedience releases God to miraculously provide at the bare base level. Your obedience releases God to miraculously provide. We want the miraculous provision of God. We want God to, to give us. He's got everything. We want God, would you give me everything, God? I want it all. Would you just give me all your stuff? Whatever I need, God, just dump it on. And listen, God wants to give it. He wants to provide miraculously for you. But it requires obedience. Elijah had to confront an evil king. Then he had to go and live in hiding. He had to trust birds to feed him. He had to travel to a foreign land and rely on a widow to feed him. And all along the way, God kept providing. His obedience right, preceded, but led to provision. Why is obedience so important? It's because it reflects trust. This provider... Provided for relationship is all about trust. God's the provider, we're the provided for, and it's all about trust. Listen, God could, could God give it to you all now? Absolutely. Why doesn't He? Because it's about the relationship, it's about trust. He wants you to depend on Him. It's relational. The birds didn't bring Elijah a warehouse, they brought him one meal at a time. One donut at a time. One Boston cream donut at a time. Right? And a hot dog. Meat and bread. It's a hot dog and a donut. I'm sure he ate very healthy. The widow, guess what? Did God dump? Did it say like all of a sudden she walked out in the backyard and there was a hill filled with flour? No, it says her jars just never ran out. Scoop, that's enough for today. Went back tomorrow, scoop, there's enough for today. Day after day. It was incremental. When God provided for the Israelites in the desert, in their wandering, manna, we know this, manna was miraculous provision of food from heaven. It was a honey-like wafer thing that God would provide in the desert. And it said every day in the morning they would pick it up and there was just enough. And at night, it would disappear. And the next morning, it would show up again. Day by day by day. For 40 years, God provided day by day. He never gave them. It says if you tried to keep enough for tomorrow, it would rot. It would turn into maggots. It would get nasty. You couldn't, because it was a relationship. It was provisional. It was trust. God keeps providing. God has it all, and He wants us to trust Him for it. See, obedience expresses our trust in God as provider. We want all up front, what's the saying, right? A bird in the hand. It's worth how many at two in the bush, right? right? I'd rather have it I'd rather have it than you have it and know it's there. I want to have it all. I want to have it all on me right now. We like the guarantee of seeing it in hand. But here's the truth for today. God is the guarantee. God is the guarantee. Psalm 84.11, The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Provision follows obedience. God will withhold nothing good from those who do what you're supposed to do. Hebrews 10.36 is one of my life verses for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive all He's promised you. You be obedient. And God provides. Don't worry about it. He's got it. He owns it all. All the cattle, all the animals, all the food, all the money. He's got it. He says, trust me for it. Do what I ask you to do. I'll provide along the way. And I'll do it in miraculous ways. Just be obedient. How much do you need to be content for the rest of your life? Go back to that question. I just If I could just have enough money now, I wouldn't worry about it. Here's, an, here's, a, here's a different question. How much do you need to be free to do what God is asking you to do? How much money do you need or how much provision do you need before you say, okay, God, I'll do what you want. But just give me enough first and then I'll do. Obedience precedes provision. Here's... The most amazing truth of all, you already have all you need. Think about it. You already have all you need for the rest of your life. It's done. You want peace? It's in your bank account. It's in there for you. God has, it's all done. He has it all. It's saved up. It's got your name on it. There's a file with your name on it and accounts and every day it says how much to distribute to you and it will always be enough for what you need. God has everything you already need. Come on. Tell me you don't worry about what... Do we not worry about having enough? Am I the only one? Right. We worry about... We look at the numbers and you go, how are we going to do this? And you get a bill and the first thing you go is... "Oh." Oh, you see the oil truck roll up to your house. Oh, I hate those guys. Every time that comes. So we switch the gas. That way I don't, way I don't see it. I don't have to see it. It just comes in. Right? Your kid gets sick and you're going, ah, oh, breaking, you know, breaking bone. Oh, hospital bills or, you know, braces. Oh, you got into college. go oh, right? You got into college. Great. Now I got to pay for that. Right? They got a car. Right now I got to pay for that. Right? You know, like. We, we worry and agonize about how much things are going to cost and we worry about the future and there's anxiety about the future and we argue about how things are going to come in and do we have enough and can we do this and, and we know God wants us to do this but I don't have enough and here's the thing, you have everything you need. God has it. He has it all. God's got it. He is the executor of your estate and he is the provider. You just need to trust him to keep giving it and it's a relationship obedience releases God to be your miracle provider. If we'll be obedient to what we sense God asking us to do, let me tell you, birds might feed you. It sounds funny, but let me tell you, I'm sure you could tell some pretty crazy stories about provision if we polled you. It might not have been birds, but it might have been something even stranger. Widows might share with you. Jars that don't run out. You can't beat God's math. I told you last week I live in a house that I couldn't afford, but right timing made it happen. I have a motorcycle I don't own in my garage. I'm telling you, it's a funny story, but God just God works it out. He puts people who can give and do things. I, I would love a motorcycle, and guess what? I get to ride one. Because of the generosity and kindness of a friend. God gives in ways that you never... I would never have thought that God would send an incredible neighbor to help me ride a motorcycle. But He did. There's food on my table. There are clothes on my back. I've had more good than I could have ever paid for on my own. And I'm going to guarantee the same is true in your life. You've had more good than you ever could have bought on your own. Let me tell you, that's God's provision in your life. See, God is my provider and He is yours too. And if you obey him, not only will he provide for you, but here's the cool thing. He will provide for others around you along the way. I invite Anna and Nick to come on up as we close up this morning. Here's the end of the story. That's not the end of the story, if you didn't know. Verse 17, it says this. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse. And finally, he died. Think about this, Elijah. Right, everything's good now. God's providing, and now the sun dies. And she says to Elijah, "Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son?" Tell me, for Elijah, God, I'm trying to do what you want. I'm running from a king. Now you send me this lady. She's supposed to provide for me. I gave her this great promise. Everything's going, and now her son. Elijah says, give me your son. He he took the child's body from her arms and carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. And Elijah cries out to the Lord. Lord, my God, why? What are you doing, God? I'm trying to be obedient. But it just looks like every step just continues to get more and more hard. What are you doing? Why? Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? It says, And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, please let this child's life return to him. As the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, the life of the child returned. And he revived. Interesting note here. Did God answer Elijah's question? Did he tell him Why? But did he answer his prayer? What would you rather? Would you rather God answer your questions or your prayers? You okay with not knowing why if God will do it anyway? Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. And the woman took Elijah and said, Now I took. The woman told Elijah, Now I know for sure that you are a man of God. That the Lord truly speaks through you. See, not only did God provide food for Elijah and the woman and for her son, but he put Elijah in position to bring healing to this child and reveal truth to that woman. Again, what if Elijah had never been obedient? What if Elijah hadn't had a need? What happens to that woman? Maybe she'd have food from somebody else for a little while, right? But only God could heal her son that way. When the miraculous provision of God happens, here's the great, here's the greatest thing. You know it, and everybody else around you recognizes it. That's God. Now I know. There's no other way. That was so miraculous. Let me tell you, when you're obedient to God and God provides, see what it does, it creates an opportunity for Him to display His glory to people. It's not just about provision. It's about letting people know that He's good. Be obedient to God. He will provide for you. And not only will he provide for you, he'll provide for people around you. And not only will he provide for people around you, but he will open their eyes to see who he is. Because God the provider, let me tell you, that's an incredible God. He owns it all. And we need it all. And he gives it. Your need, celebrate it. When God provides, celebrate it no idea what god wants to do in your life so my encouragement to you this week is this what is god asking you to do don't worry about what you need he's got that what is he asking you to do you just want god to give it to you right we just want god and just just would you just commit to being obedient god whatever you're asking me to do and some of you know inside what God's asking you to do. You, you know there are certain things He's asking you and you're like, ah, I don't want to do it. Hey, might be like going to a king. And you're like, I don't want to stir the bee's nest. You'll be obedient. So there's another story about how that story ends. You want to read more about Elijah? Oh man, you want some reading for this week. Look at the story between Elijah and Ahab and how that ends up. it's still not raining yet. We need what God wants to give. And He wants to give it. It's all dependent on our obedience. You obey and He takes care of the rest. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.